Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you for the 11 o'clock service. We had a good group at 9. We got a good group at 11 this morning as well. Hey, before the message, just a couple things. Tomorrow, our youth group is going to be traveling down from the Sholo area from the retreat. So if you guys could remember to be praying for them as they travel. Uh, they're having a great time up there in the mountains. In fact, uh, they had a little bit of a a little bit of a longer trip up because they had to wait for four elk to get out of the road. Uh, four elk just decided to come onto the road and just stand there and have a conversation. So, you know. Um, so if you'd pray for them. And then Friday, uh, this coming Friday, our gals are going up to their retreat in Prescott. So if you could pray for travel for them as well, um, they would greatly appreciate that. And, and I'm saying this now to all the men who are married or who have spouses of those gals that are going up to the retreat, I'm expecting you to be here next week. <laughs> Just because your wife or your spouse isn't here, they're up to the retreat, doesn't mean you can't be here or shouldn't be here as well. Great worship this morning, and I think you're going to see how those songs fit so well again with the psalm. Psalm 18 this morning, this is David's victory song. David's victory song. And Again, it's one of 150 worship songs contained in the Word of God. Uh, the Psalms remind us of the significance of worship to our God. First of all, the book of Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and also, the book of Psalms is the longest book by far of any book in the Bible, and yet these 150 Psalms our worship songs. It's what Israel sung to the Lord just as we sing worship songs today. And I want to approach Psalm 18 from a musical standpoint this morning. You know, many times we teach the Psalms and yet we aren't teaching them from a musical perspective. Uh, today we're going to look at the chorus of this psalm. Then we're going to see three verses in this psalm that David writes, and then a bridge that David writes as well. But before that, I want to direct your attention to the context of this victory song, which is the words above the psalm even before we get into verse 1, because they have a lot to tell us. Notice this is for the music director, or who we would call our worship leader. So obviously, again, this is not just for David's personal worship. God's Spirit led David to write this, to pen this, to author this, and to share it with the people of God so that they could express worship to God for their victories in their life as well, and also to be encouraged that they can live in victory through their God. Notice he goes on, the music director, by the Lord's servant, David. I love that. In that you see David's humility. David was the king of Israel. Yet David's highest, greatest privilege, how he saw himself throughout his life, was that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, the, the greatest title, the greatest position we could ever have on this earth is to call ourselves servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no higher honor. There is no greater privilege than to be a servant of the Lord. Then notice, who sang to the Lord the words of this song. First of all, 
David was all about singing. He wasn't ashamed to sing. He loved to sing. Yes, he was a musician that played music, but he loved to sing praises to his God. I hope more and more, especially under Nicole's leadership here at the Oasis, that all of us will grow in, in desiring to sing more for the Lord. And not just here at church, but to incorporate singing praises to our God throughout the week. In fact, can I tell you, I know there's got to be some people out there on the highways of, of our area that when they see me driving down the highway or stopping at a stoplight, they got to think I'm a little crazy because <laughs> I got worship music on. And I'm just, I'm just having the best time. But we need to be okay to sing. Listen, we're going to sing throughout eternity. Amen. So I tell Christians that you might, you might not get on board with singing here on earth, but you're going to be singing throughout eternity because you're not going to be up there going, no, Lord, I don't feel like singing. <laughs> that, that ain't going to happen, right? And then notice, he sang to the Lord. Oh, that's important. He was singing to an audience of one. He was reminding all of us that when we sing, when we worship, when we do anything, we are doing it before the Lord and to the Lord. Amen. Think of how that would change maybe some of our church services and worship services if we truly believe that the Lord was amongst us. And yet he is. Several years ago, I, one of my messages, I, I took an empty chair and I put it up here on the platform and I said, every one of us at the Oasis should be reminded every week that we come here that Jesus is here, that he is literally here amongst us. He is watching, he is seeing, he is involved, he is, he is engaged with us. He inhabits the praises of his people. And he is right smack dab in the middle of all that we do every Sunday and every Wednesday as a body of believers. Hopefully, we will be reminded of that and mindful of that every day that we worship the Lord, that we are doing it to the Lord. Yes, we're singing about him, but we're always to be singing to him as well. And then, here's the context especially. He sang the words of this song when the Lord rescued him from the power of all his enemies, including Saul. That's why I say that this is a victory song because David is looking back over his life up to this point and he is recounting all the deliverances, all the salvations, all the rescues that God has performed on his behalf. I want us to think about that today as well. That while you're listening to the voice of God, to begin to think about all that God has brought you through up to this point because you're here. That means God's got you to this point, that, that you may have had some real challenges and, and real struggles and real opposition and obstacles and all of that in your life up to this point, but God's got you here. And it's only because of God that we're all here. And that's what David was becoming even more aware of in his life. And that's why he wrote this victory song. Because he wanted not only to recount and praise God for all these victories and to acknowledge that it was God who brought him to this point, but to also give him strength and encouragement that whatever he's facing now in this moment, 
he can also achieve victory here and now. And he can look ahead to the future, even though it's uncertain that the God who brought him this far is the God who's going to carry him all the way to glory. And God wants us to live life that same way, to recount all the deliverances, all the salvations, all the rescues, because God has not only saved us from our sin and saved us to himself when we accepted Christ as our Savior, but we all have experienced many rescues in our life, many deliverances, many salvations. And David has as well. So he writes about them. And he begins by writing first, in the first three verses, the chorus. Why does he start with the chorus? Because just like modern songs today, the chorus is the heartbeat of every song. When an author sits down to write a song, the chorus is what they want you to remember if you don't remember anything else from that song. You may not remember all the words of the verses. You may not remember the bridge, but you'll remember the chorus because it's the heartbeat. That's why even when you and I are sometimes trying to remember songs, we don't remember all the words of all the verses, but we can all go back to those familiar choruses. And that's why David starts out with the chorus. So how does he start out? First of all, notice what he says. I love you, Lord. That's the best place to start, declaring our love for God. And, and this word for love is not the normal word for love that's used in the Old Testament. This word for love speaks more about cherishing God, treasuring God, valuing God above anything or everyone else in our life. Oh, that we would get there like David, that we would come to a place in our life where God would be our greatest treasure, that we would cherish him above all things, that, that our value, that his value in our eyes would be the greatest thing we, we have in our lives is him. And so that's where David starts. That's what David wants us all to be mindful of because it's only because of God that we are who we are, that we have all that we have, and that we will experience all that we will experience throughout eternity. I love you, Lord. And then he says this, my source of strength. And again, this word for strength is not the normal word for strength in the Old Testament. It's, it's like David, even in, in his writing, wants to, wants to write using exceptional words, words that aren't normal, words that aren't ordinary to begin to express his praise of God. This word for strength refers to strength in the sense of receiving help. In other words, David is saying, I'm strong because God is my helper. And the help that I get from him continually is a one-of-a-kind, matchless help. In fact, you see this concept throughout this psalm. If you'll go quickly with me over to verse 18. Look at verse 18. They confronted me in my day of calamity, but the Lord helped me, verse 18. And then uh, in verse 35, you give me your protective shield... Your right hand supports me. Your willingness to help me enables me to prevail. In fact, even in verse 29, a verse we'll come back to later. Indeed, with your help, I can charge against an army. By God's power, I can jump over a wall. David is saying, I'm strong 
because I have a helper unlike any helper in the universe. I have a helper in my God. Then he begins to use metaphors to describe his God. There are eight in verse 2. And and these metaphors all speak about strength, security, stability, the, the capability of being settled. Notice, the Lord is my high ridge, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter, my shield, the horn that saves me, and my refuge. And notice, too, the personalization of this, my. David is saying, I have a personal relationship with the God who helps me. And he is all these things and so much more to me. This is why I'm where I'm at. This is why I could escape the hand of Saul. This is why I could escape all of my enemies. Why God brought me through all of my battles. It was all because of him. He's my security. He's my safety. He's my stability. He's my surety. He's my everything. He's my all in all. Which then builds to the end of the chorus in verse 3 where he says, I called to the Lord, here it is, who is worthy of praise, worthy of worship, worthy to be celebrated is what the word praise here means. You know, we've said this before. Worship comes from the word worthship. It means that because God is worth it, we worship him. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our celebration. And not just because he exists and because of who he is, but as David said, because of all that he is for me and all that he has done for me. David is basically saying, I wouldn't be where I'm at without my God. In fact, David is going to say, and we're going to see this later on, it's absurd what God has done for me, David is going to say. He took me as a shepherd boy, and he's made me now the king of Israel. He took me from being a shepherd boy, even in my own family, who really didn't have any regard for me. They didn't see me in the way my God saw me. They didn't see the potential in me that my God saw in me. They didn't see my heart like God did, but God took me and look what he's made with my life. And David wants us to get that message as well. Do not diminish or demean or allow anyone else to define what God can do with your life or my life. Let God make something great out of you because God can make something great out of all of us. We can be his masterpieces to show people exactly who our God is and what he's done. That's why then beginning in verse 4, we have the first verse of this song. And this verse is David's deliverance, which God executed. David is basically saying, God has delivered me. And not just delivered me from small things, he's delivered me from great peril and great dangers throughout my life. Notice how he begins in verse 4. The waves of death engulfed me. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. You ever felt engulfed or overwhelmed? Then you can relate to David. The ropes of Sheol tightened around me. The snares of death trapped me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out to my God and thanked God from his heavenly temple. He heard my voice and listen to my cry for help what a God 
David is saying, I was in, I was in a bad way. I, I was really down and out. But God delivered me. And only God could have delivered me from the things that I found myself in. Notice the words that David uses beginning in verse 16. Speaking of God's deliverance, he reached down. He took hold of me. He pulled me from the surging water. Verse 17, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hate me. Verse 19, he delivered me because he was pleased with me. The end of verse 18, the Lord helped me. Listen, you may be in a situation like David right now. You may be in need of some kind of salvation or rescue or deliverance. Something may have a grip on you. You may begin to feel trapped. You may begin to feel like the world is closing in on you. Listen, our God can deliver you. He can deliver us from anything and everything. There's nothing too great for God to deliver his people from. And David is giving testimony of that. That's why he begins by saying, I love you, Lord. You're my source of help. I have no one but you that can deliver like you can. Always be mindful of the fact that throughout our life, whatever we need rescued from, whatever we need delivered from, whatever we need saved from, God can do it. He is the ultimate deliverer. No one can save like our God. Verse 2, beginning in verse 20. We see David's determination, which God empowered. David is a determined man. He's facing stuff with so much confidence because, again, he has already seen all the things that God has delivered him from and brought him to this point. But now, like all of us, he's got present-day challenges. He's got present-day opposition. He's got present-day obstacles. And David is taking strength and, and comfort and encouragement by all the things that God has brought him from uh, through in the past to bring him to the present to be able to look up and to look to God and know God's going to get me through this because no one but God can, can partner with us and empower us and enable to do what we could never do on our own. So notice beginning in verse 28, these words. Indeed, you are my lamp, Lord. My God illuminates the darkness around me. You may feel like sometimes you're in the dark or at least you're the light, but there's darkness all around you. Listen, God can light your way. Amen. I love the, the challenge that Nicole gave, gave to us at the end of worship today. You know, and one of the aspects of that challenge was get into the word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We need light. The word of God is the greatest light we could ever have. God can light up your path and give you clarity so that you and I know where to step and which way to go. David goes on, indeed, with your help, I can charge against an army. Whoa, where's he getting that kind of determination from? His God. He's been reminded, look, look at what God has done. It's not David looking at David. It's David looking at God. He says, with your help, I can charge against an army. Well, one person against an army? What are those odds? Listen, God doesn't care about odds. It doesn't matter what the odds are. God's always bigger than any odds that are stacked against him. In fact, let me say this. God purposefully throughout history after he created man 
wants to show mankind that he will purposely stack the deck against himself so that he can show us how great he is. Think about a couple things. One, creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he did it out of nothing. God didn't need anything to create all that we see and even all the expanse of the universe that we can't see. He didn't need anything. That's how great he is. That's stack, stack the deck against you, right? And then in the book of Genesis, he comes and reveals himself to a man named Abram and his wife Sarah. Pagans. They're not worshipers of God. They don't even have a relationship with this God yet. And yet, he reveals himself to this man. This man responds in faith to God's revelation. And God says to him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, a nation that will bless all the nations of the world. But you know what God does? He begins to stack the deck against himself. He chooses a couple who the wife is barren. Oh, and they just keep getting older and older and older. So now he's working with an elderly couple and he's going to make a great nation out of an elderly couple? Yeah, that's who our God is. Because God brought Isaac from that elderly woman to show us, I can do it. You can trust me. And not only that, I'm not just going to bring a, a boy from your, your womb. I'm going to build a nation from all of you. Again, God can do it all. And that's what God wants his people to understand. Look, by God's power, David says, I can jump over a wall. There's no obstacle. There's no challenge in front of me that as one of God's people, when God says I can do it, I can do it. Amen. Your enemy may, may tell you you can't. The world may tell you you can't. Even maybe some of your friends will tell you you can't. And maybe you even tell yourself you can't. But if God tells you you can, you can. Amen. With God, you can do it. This is the Philippians 4.13 of the Old Testament. Look at what David says in verse 31. Indeed, who is God besides the Lord? Who is a protector? I love that word. It literally means a rock and refuge besides our God. No one. When Jesus looked at his disciples, the 12, after many disciples were walking away from him, he says, are you guys going to take off and leave me too? And Peter, you remember what he said? Peter said, who are we going to go to? You alone have the words of eternal life. David is saying, who are we going to go to? If, if you and I walk away from God, who is there but God? Who's going to be our rock and refuge if we're not going to make God our rock and refuge of our life? Verse 32, the one true God gives me strength. He removes the obstacles in my way. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. I love that. Many times as the people of God, we want God to smooth out the terrain. God says, no, 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 that's usually not my way. I want to show you that with me, you can negotiate the rugged terrain. You can be strong enough in me to handle anything and everything that comes down the pike because that's the God that I am. And so David, in the first verse, 
is recounting his deliverances from great peril and great danger and saying, this is what my God did. He picked me up. He reached down. He pulled me out. He saved me. He rescued me. But now in the present, I'm facing a lot of challenges, but God has given me this determination that I can, I can rise above the challenge. I can rise to the challenge. I can rise over the wall. I can jump over the wall. I can face the army down because I've got God. I got God. And in the final verse, David shares with us his dominion that God established. Again, this is where David says, this is, this is even absurd. God has been so good. Because basically, David is saying, I get to rule over peoples that, it's not me. God gave me this position. God gave me this privilege. He, he set this all up for me. Now, I realize for most of us, you know, we're not going to maybe be a political person who's, who's given, you know, the privilege of being in charge of other people in that way like David as a king. But here's how we can apply this. God wants us always to be gaining new ground and taking new territory in our lives, spiritually speaking. God always wants us to be growing and making progress. To be, to be living more in victory rather than defeat. To seeing things put under our feet because they're under his feet. And to gain that authority over things and, and not allow things to hold us down or hold us back. And so in that way, this does apply to us in principle. And notice what David then says about this in verse 39. You give me strength for every battle. Verse 40, you make my enemies retreat. Verse 43, you make me a leader of nations. Verse 47, he makes nations submit to me. Did you see what David said? He didn't say anything about, I did it, I did it, I did it. No, you did it. Amen. You did it, God. You did it all. All that I have, David says, and all that I am up to this point in my life and will ever be, it's all because of you. No wonder David wanted to write a song of praise to a God who is worthy to be praised. And you and I should be the same about our lives. When we begin to see how God has worked in and through our life, all the ways God has been with us, all the things that God has brought us through up to this point to where we are now, it's all because of God. And, and God wants us also to see that the same God who's brought us to this point again is going to be the same God that's going to take us the rest of the way to glory because he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. With that, verse 46 through verse 50 is the bridge. What is the bridge of the song for? If, and I didn't say this, I should have. So the chorus is the heartbeat of a song. The verses usually explain the chorus. That's usually when people are writing verses of, of a song, the verses are explaining why they feel the way they do about expressing themselves in the chorus. So what's the bridge for? Well, the bridge almost always surmises, enhances, and even sort of inspires us back to the chorus. In other words, I'll say it this way. Using this as my text, 
David would basically be saying, if I haven't inspired or motivated any of you to praise your Lord up to this point, then I'm hoping these last few words do it. It's like it's my last ditch effort to light a fire underneath of God's people and to get them to worship their God for all that he's done for them. So notice, here's the bridge, verse 46. The Lord is alive. He lives. He's here amongst us. He is smack dab in the middle of all that we are doing today, and he is also life. And if we want to really live, then we've got to be connected to our God who's very much alive. And listen, he's alive also in his people and through his people. That's why David is saying, you and I can do all that I've shared because our God is, is life, he's living, he's active, he's working. He's not an inactive God. He's right here ready to help and willing to help. My protector is praiseworthy. Again, that word protector, my rock, is to be blessed. Verse 49, this is why I sing, David says, this is why I'm grateful. So I will give you thanks. I will worship. I will praise you even before the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to you. I will celebrate you in song. Because, Lord, you've given your chosen king magnificent victories. That word magnificent means absurd, improbable, and yet total victories. And you know what? We could say the same thing about our lives. That the victories that God has given us in our life they're absurd, they're improbable, and yet they're total and complete because that's who our God is. No wonder David wrote this victory song. And he hasn't even really been on the throne yet, and yet we've seen throughout our study of David all the things that God has brought him through. You see, David wants the people of God to remember it is God who delivers us, rescues us, saves us when we can't deliver, rescue, or save ourselves. It is God who gives us strength for every battle. It is God who gives us victory in every battle. It is only because of the Lord that we have victory. But in the Lord, we can have total victory because nothing can stop our God. So today, before we enter into another time of worship, I want to direct our, ourselves to this. I want us to use this as an inspiration today. I, I want you to begin at least as best you can to recount even a few of the things God has brought you through in your life to where you sit here today. Not, not just to celebrate though, because we should. But to also say as a reminder that the God who's brought me here, he can give me victory right now in the moment, in the present, for whatever I'm dealing with, whatever the situation and circumstances, and he can carry me through the rest of the way. So in a sense, it, it's a reminder to look to God now for the victory that I need now over the opposition, the obstacle, the challenge, the, whatever it is, but also to be encouraged that this God who's going to get me through what I'm dealing with now is the God who got me to this point and the God that's going to carry me through. And, and I need to let God 
be my focus, just like Nicole was saying. And I need to let God define my life. When everyone else in your life, including you, may be telling yourself you can't, if God says you can, you can. You can charge an army. You can rise up over that wall. You can do it. And so often, as God's people, we are listening to the lies that we tell ourselves or the lies of our enemy or the lies of the world or the lies of even fellow Christians instead of listening to the truth of God that can set us free. Because if you know the truth, Jesus says, you will be free indeed. And if the Son sets you free, oh, you are free. God wants us to be free in him and to live in victory today. Let's go out of here today with our heads held high, with our determination like never before, that we can do it because God is with us. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come now. And as they get settled on the platform for our final couple of songs, I'm going to ask you to rise and join me in prayer as we transition from the message to another time of worship. And I just want to encourage you again, in this moment, I don't know what trial, what tribulation, what, what affliction, what struggle, what opposition, obstacle, challenge that you're dealing with right now, but I know this. All of us, when we're in those situations, we need to look to the Lord. He's our victory. He's our strength. He's our help. But then even beyond that, Take courage today that you are God's champion. And God says you can when everyone else in your life may be saying you can't. You let him define who you are and no one else. God, use this time to solidify your people. God, help us to realize that we are standing on the most solid foundation we could ever stand on, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. Lord, settle us, strengthen us, give us that, that security and that safety and that surety that only comes from you, God, as we lift up our voices. May we be reminded even before we sing one word of these songs that we're not only singing about you, God, we are singing to you. So may we sing with everything we got and sing from our hearts. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.